0: Speaking of Reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics.
1: Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Carl Carlson. And this is Fred Shankleberg. And hey,
0: Carl, I understand that you've been getting a bunch of questions, uh, so it's... You have any particular order to these, or theme, or anything like that to this pile?
1: Well, a lot of them are centered around FMEA. I do get some questions on reliability, but the but my article series is on FMEA, and so the ask Carla a question tends to focus on that. Mm-hmm. So I have a you know maybe a half a dozen sitting on the table here that uh, have come in recently, and uh, it'd be fun to just talk about them in general. See if we can do like q and A Q&A on. Uh, things, and, and maybe I can get your input uh, as well to sure. uh, some of the answers. Sure. One, one of the uh, categories that is probably the biggest category of questions that I get. So if you, look, if you look at all my articles in the comments, there'll be more comments on this particular topic than anything else and more questions. And it's the subject of, drumroll, <laughs> FMEA detection. Oh, I,
0: I suspected that.
1: Yes. <laughs> and and let me just introduce that this is controversial because I'm going to say some percentage, maybe 30, 40% of FMEAs around the world don't even mention detection. Uh, well, sometimes term, you call it a hazard
0: analysis and just deliberately right. skip it.
1: <laughs> that's right. And other times you focus on severity and occurrence. You might have a detection in service. In other words, the there's an algorithm or a sensor that detects in operation, mm-hmm. but the traditional meaning of detection in FMEA is during product development. Do you detect the problem through testing or analysis that so that you can fix it before you launch, before the product gets into the hands of customers? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and what's important there is it's not just testing. I've, I've run into that so many times yes. where the development teams, well, well, the detection is what test are we going to run? It says no, when it's on your bench and something and abnormal goes on, that's part of the detection process. Did you think of it and check it, you know, ad hoc on your bench or in the design simulation or whatever? That's part of the process here.
1: Yes. Yeah, very good. So So a design review. Uh, might be a detection method sometimes mm-hmm. a design review is a prevention method sometimes it's a detection method and the it depends on how it's used right. um, so you're absolutely correct it's not always test and it's, it's sometimes you can replace the tests with simulation or or analyses that are virtual mm-hmm. and of course that can save money if they're calibrated and they work right and have yeah. the right failure mechanisms baked into the models uh, so it's a it's a broader topic than physical tests so the so you get these questions so now, now if i if I uh, say let's talk about where you are using detection because some of the questions are should we use it or not and that's going to depend on the standard. Mm-hmm. It's going to depend on your customer. If you have a military contract or or an OEM that's using a particular standard, uh, you're going to get guidance and and that 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 becomes part of your contract but if it's if it's not determined then it's going to be a company decision as to whether you're using a process that has detection as part of the FMEA process and if you do then there's really two types of detection one is the traditional which is the detection during product development using like you say fred Uh, It it could be some observation or or design review or a physical test or an analysis. Um, And then that becomes the detection method or in a smaller set of cases, uh, but it's really important, is are you detecting the problem while the product's being used as part of your design? In other words, the design has, our system has sensors and it'll detect and it'll go to a safe place or it'll actually fix or the problem in service or it'll call for a service technician yeah. to See, fix I,
0: I've always used the analogy or the although nowadays it's become less and less obvious is the oil light on a car right yes it it allows the vehicle alert you of a condition that will lead to a very major repair if you don't attend to it so it's interrupting the process that would naturally have a high severity consequence it breaks that pattern and allows you to to avert the severity and that's detection in a meaningful way it doesn't do any good to say hey your car just broke down <laughs> when it that's the engine right. just fell off you know it, that yeah you got a detection but it's not all that terribly useful so that gets a high score in these the way i mm-hmm. think of it whereas if you get plenty of time like i had one i had no idea my car had uh tire sensors on it and i get an alert and i had to go look up what in the world does this mean and and it goes well one of your tires is is uh too lo- not inflated enough and i like, oh okay i look looked at it and oh there's a nail in it luckily <laughs> the tire didn't you know go flat immediately i was able to drive safely drive over to a uh Place and have the tire repaired and and off on my way. But I was like, I didn't even know I had that sensor here. That's a beautiful detection process.
1: Yes, it is. So let's unpack this because you've 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 raised the issue that I want to talk about for a minute. And as on this particular question, then we'll go on to another question. Okay. The this particular question is when you're doing an FMEA, what goes in the detection? design controls detection type mm-hmm. column or detection methods, what goes in that? Is it the detection methods that you're using during product development to detect the problem so it doesn't happen after launch? Or is it the likelihood that the design or the system will detect the problem in service? And, of I, course, the answer – well, go ahead. I'd say both.
0: Okay. It would be different columns but it, or different uh, rows. Uh, but if I can – detect it during development and design it out or understand its occurrence or severity that it actually happens i can update the fmea with better data and and or avoid it altogether but if it's a safety critical thing i'd put it it we probably have to de- have a detection method built into the design
1: yes so the i'm i advocate for both as a as a design process in other words you want of course understand or or create uh, monitoring and system response. And and that would be, in addition to the detection that we're talking about, that's the more traditional Mm -hmm. of detection methods like tests that are done during product development. And there's this new type of, it's called a supplement to design FMEA called monitoring and system response, MSR. Mm. And it is built into the SAJ 1739 version that came out in 2021 in January. So it's been out for a little more than a year. And MSR is monitoring and system response. And it's a supplement series of columns that will evaluate the goodness or the correctness or the uh, the quality of the MSR feature. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, that's a whole nother thing. It doesn't do any good to have an oil light that comes on intermittently all by itself with no problem or vice
1: versa not coming on when it should that the whole nether realm <laughs> exactly yeah and this is so common now you can you think of any like complex equipment that doesn't have some type of monitoring today i mean it's it's, it's well they're, the best one
0: yeah the, i was gonna say ubiquitous too that's the word of the mm-hmm. day but it's, it's also oh. ubiquitous it's the, the messaging is often written by somebody in a dark room someplace, and they say, Error code number 47. Thank you. Yes.
1: <laughs> Great. What does that mean? <laughs> that's right. And then you got to pull out a manual, uh, which you know, while you're driving, huh? <laughs> that's right. Uh, so that's this one set of questions uh, on detection. I'm having fun answering those, and, and it also helps me as I write articles to be clearer and clearer because mm-hmm. to me, as far as I'm concerned, reliability, uh, FMEA, all these subjects are lifelong learning. Uh, it's not like we achieve it and then we are good to go and don't have to keep learning. So I, I think we're learning constantly by the questions that uh, you and I are learning by the questions we get. Oh, yeah. So here's another category. Should we do one large FMEA like you have a, a bicycle, <laughs> and uh, and so we're, now we're going to do an FMEA in every subsystem, every like the frame, like the wheels, like the brakes, and we're going to do FMEA in every component. So all two hundred components or more that are in a bicycle,
0: mm-hmm. and the supply and, chain, and, and the, the production chain.
1: process, and the welding processes. And <laughs> yes, so do you do one large FMEA? Or do you selectively pick the FMEAs based on some preliminary risk assessment or some way to narrow down which portion of the system hierarchy is most crucial or that you are concerned about the oh, most geez, i've got a strong
0: opinion on this one is after especially early in my career I was uh, this guy was in the um, nav air system and overseeing contract tier one contractors that are putting together aircraft basically for the military or designing and and bringing in aircraft for the military. And he came into the, into the class with his mail. It was right after lunch and he had this manila envelope that was probably three inches thick. It was the biggest one I'd ever seen. This military size, And he kind of hefted it on his hand and goes, this is the FMEA just for the wing structure. I can tell it's not complete. What do you mean it's not complete? It's three inches thick. It's like two reams of paper in here. And he goes, no, no, they didn't cover everything. Uh It's like, well, how many pages of this are you actually going to read and or use? Well, two. Well, how about you just use the two? You know, why don't you just focus on that? I much prefer the process of do a system level one, what's important to the system or to the product quality or whatever is the driving force for what process you're looking at or product you're looking at. And then narrow it down, narrow it down and do cascading ones. They're nested. You do a system level one, then you, and then you find out the power supply, which is always the problem in my, in uh, history. Uh, And then you do one on the power supply and get into more detail on it. But, Looking at every rivet on a wing just because it's complete is an c- absolute colossal waste of time, in my opinion.
1: I agree. The, <laughs> I would rather. <laughs> that was easy. I, I, that was easy. <laughs> I, I, I use this in my teaching, consulting. I say it to anybody that will listen. I would rather do a few FMEAs really well than lots of FMEAs poorly. Yep. And and so I very feel very strongly like you do, Fred. And the, the method I, I, I use, and, and, and people can use whatever they want, as long as you narrow down, I use a narrow down method called preliminary risk assessment, mm-hmm. where you say, okay, what is the criteria to select FMEAs? And, and it's not a given. Every company can be different. We, we're going to look at the field history. We're going to look at the degree of new technology. We're going to look at, you know, the certain safety areas. Mm-hmm. What are the criteria? And then that those can be columns, and then down the the left side is what's the system hierarchy? So in the bicycle, you have you know the brake system, the this system, mm-hmm. and then you do a, a red, yellow, green, or a high, medium, low. takes no more than an hour if you're with the project team uh, to do a moderately complex system hierarchy, mm-hmm. and then you can create a number so you can multiply them together like. A three is a high, a two is a medium, a one is a low. You get a number and then now you can say, okay, we're going to work on the high ones first, then we're going to get to the medium risk. You need to narrow down. However you do it, you need to narrow down because nobody has the time or the resources to do FMEA methodology properly on everything.
0: Well, there's, there's also diminishing in return. Even if you do it well, it's... I mean. Yeah, the value. The, the, it's the value part of it. It's, it's, mm-hmm. Let's get the ones that actually give you a return and actually help you create a better product or service or whatever it is you're working on. But at some point, it's you got to move on. <laughs> you got to actually uh, improve your overall structure or process or innovations or create the next product.
1: You, you, you could analyze something to death and never get out the door. Yes, exactly. So the... And this is so important because you want to build momentum by uh, FMEAs have value. They get done reasonably of uh, the time element has to be reasonable. Mm-hmm. They don't take too long. And then you have successes and you improve products. It, uh, it, it builds momentum it, on the other hand, If you do FMEAs on everything uh, it's going to drag or it's going to slow down the product development process and Fme will eventually become go into disuse yeah so it's a very important topic uh, The other thing I want to say, Fred, on this is there's a lot of software that and I'm not going to mention names here because it it's it, I don't really want to do that but there's a lot of software that has been bought into uh, that essentially creates it it enables or it encourages or it creates the the uh, the tree. For doing massive FMEAs, mm-hmm. in other words, it, it encourages that yeah, by the you put in software the of,
0: features. Yeah, you put in the bill of materials and it spits out a you know 400 page FMEA structure, yeah. and now you just have to go tailor it. <laughs> like yes, ah, and what a waste and time. so that's
1: <laughs> that is to me that that uh, is very time uh, uh, time waster uh, when you're working on the low priority issues or the low value issues. And the other trend that we have to be careful of is the – I'm in favor of – very in favor of uh, models, using models in design, Mm -hmm. systems engineering. There's a whole subject of model-based systems engineering. Uh, And so now there's, okay, how do we use models then to interact with FMEA? And I just shared a panel at RAMS in January on team-based versus automated FMEA Mm -hmm. and because, to me – if you automate the process, uh, you can run into certain issues. And I've, I posted on Ascendo the, the uh, presentation that I gave there um, as part of the panel. Mm-hmm. And it's a really important topic to be cautious about automating. It's not that automating can't be done, but be cautious that you have the right assumptions and that your models are correct and that you have some type of human overview on the high risk areas.
0: Well, one of the biggest benefits of FMEA in my experience is the team actually gets to talk about what's important and what's causing pain in different parts of the, the, the electrical engineers and software engineers, mechanical engineers and systems engineers actually get to talk about and understand each other's pain points. And sometimes the FMEA itself is a blank document when we come out of the room, but they've identified and solved as a group things that they just never get to in their staff meetings. It's more competition for resources in the staff meetings. And, uh, but having that cross table discussion is really hard to do when
1: it's just automated and somebody hands you a report. It is. And you're, 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 you're at the core of it, uh, Fred. And then let's, let's just spend a minute on this, that the value of teams, the value of humans is in that deep dive the deep discussion Mm -hmm. that comes up with things that people hadn't thought of before. And the other value is, is there is not a human being alive that doesn't have potential for blind spots. And so your programmers of the automation, your programmers of the software, your programmers uh, can have blind spots. And so there has to be, we have to understand the value of teams. They mitigate against blind spots. They, they help in that deep discussion, and they bring different viewpoints together. So you wanna listen to this viewpoint, you wanna listen to that viewpoint, and then come to consensus, but you don't have time to apply that level of team activity on everything. And so you must prioritize so you can do it to the right value, uh, and, and you don't risk have somebody cut it all out because you run out of time.
0: Yeah. Wow, I think I agreed with you on all these topics. (laughs) I must be reading your articles or something.
1: Yeah. So those are some of the topics. There are more, so we'll have to do this as a part two at some point, Mm -hmm. um, just to every once in a while catch up on the types of questions. And I appreciate so much that people are asking questions. And so, Fred, why don't you tell us what people can do if they have a question about what we just talked about? Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: well, there's. the one you mentioned is, is part of your article series. It has ask Carl a question and it has a little form right on the base of each article. So it's a perfect spot for it. If you mm-hmm. look up or read one of Carl's articles and, and there's a spot there for it. Now, most of the authors um, have contact forms or a email address or something associated with their article series or podcast or whatever. It's a part like this podcast uh we thrive and I can say this collectively for all of the contributors at Ascendo is we thrive on the engagement, the feedback and getting questions brings back some answers to you or ways to think about a problem or, or cues on here's some resources and stuff like that. I'm pretty careful about coaching folks and and encouraging people to just answer the question. Don't try to do a sales pitch. You know, that's not what Ascendo is about. And so we, uh, strive to make it a safe, easy place for you to get answers. It's part of our community service, put it that way. Um, and as Carl mentioned earlier, it's also how we learn. It's what we have built into our experiences is, is all of these questions over the years. So when we're very serious about, please ask a question. Please send us your thoughts or comments. And you can do that over at Ascendoreliability.com slash go S-O-R. And I deliberately set up that URL so hopefully it's easy to remember. So after you park your car and walk into your office, you can find us. and uh, Or don't text it to us. That's, that would be bad. <laughs> <while you're driving. laughs> Indeed. Yeah. So anyway, uh thanks, Carl. It sounds like you're getting a, a good number of interesting questions and big topics and I suspect there's more to go and hopefully after this one airs we get another pile of questions from our our, our engaging uh listeners. That would be cool. I would love it. All right, thanks, Carl. Talk to you later. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation. If you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.